Welcome to the Holistic Way podcast. I'm your host, Nikki, aka Dominique, founder of the Holistic Way, holistic life coach, and yoga teacher. I hope you'll join me weekly as we discuss holistic approaches, fresh perspectives, and non negotiable self compassion. Understanding is empowering, and self kindness is the new sexy. It is my mission to introduce to you new ways to work with your mind, body, and emotions rather than against them to create long-term results with more ease and fun. Hey gorgeous listeners, I am back for this week's episode. I'm excited to have you here. This week I would like to start the episode by taking three deep breaths together to just settle into the present moment. So I invite you to close your eyes if you're not driving and just take a deep breath in through your nose and out through your mouth. In through the nose and out through the mouth. One last time, in through the nose, and out through the mouth. So I did the three breaths with you as much for you as it is for me, because this week's episode is about my own experience, my story. I've been really procrastinating recording this episode. I, not necessarily actually recording, but posting it so I've recorded it one time in my car and as I was editing it the sound was horrible so it wasn't only because of the car or the sound of my podcast but it was really covering up what I was saying I have a history of perfectionism, so I asked my dear friend if she would listen to it because I honestly couldn't tell if I was being a perfectionist, if I was procrastinating, or if the episode really wasn't that good. And she told me that it was just a shame because the message that I was sharing was important and that depending on the background noise that you couldn't hear what I was saying properly. So I decided to record it again. This is what I'm doing now. The sound is not perfect because I decided to use my AirPods, which I did when I started my podcast, but I had some feedback that the podcast was amazing, but yeah, that the sound with the AirPods sometimes wasn't perfect and not that being perfect was the aim, but that it was sometimes a bit more difficult to understand me. So I've decided to still do that for this episode because it is my story, my experience with the holistic body. And I feel that this episode needs to flow and it is easier for me if I can just walk around. I don't know if you're the same, but I'm one of these persons that, um, you know, when she's on the phone, just walks around up and down, up and down, up and down, because yeah, 
I don't like to sit still. So yeah, here it is with being imperfect. There's no need for it to be perfect. I hope the message comes across and that you enjoy the episode regardless. This episode, I'm going to start by just sharing from the heart my experience. Then I'll move on to a few questions that I had from people over on Instagram. And yeah, we'll see where it leads me. And yeah, let's dive in right away. So I always start my story with one clear memory I have. And I always say that I was 12 years old, but I realized now that I think of it, that it was probably first or second year of high school. So I would be more 13, 14, maybe 15. I'm not exactly sure, but I remember being at lunch break and having bought Maltesers. And I remember buying them eating them and what is now when I think back a bit shocking is that already then I ate them and I felt ashamed I felt guilty I felt like I shouldn't eat them but what was even more alarming when I think about it now is that I decided to not have chocolate from tomorrow on that this would be the last sweets I would eat and that I'd just have to fast in the future I remember also thinking that I will have to exercise to burn these calories and when I think back at that moment it is a vivid memory and now I notice that this behavior was going on for a few years that pattern of eating and restricting started early there might have been earlier memories where i had experiences like that but i think this is the first or the earliest memory i can remember and from there on i remember really never liking my body my what I back then called my problem zone like we hear in the media was always my belly I hated it for years I always felt it was too big I looked at the mirror and it was the only thing that I would pick up and I would just shame myself for not having exercised enough for having had food for having had sweets and i think this pattern carried on for years another memory i have is when i was probably i want to say 20 21 living by myself and i remember the weight i was back then and i thought oh if i can just lose one more kilo I'll be happy I don't remember ever reaching that weight goal maybe I did maybe I didn't this is not a memory that I can recall but what I remember clearly is me stepping on a scale multiple times a day so this is how obsessed I was with the number of the on the scale is that I used to 
step on the scale first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. Then I would go to the toilet to do number two and see the number go down by a few grams and feeling a sense of satisfaction. I remember also stepping on the scale maybe a few hours later so when I had food and thinking, oh my God, I put on weight. And of course, consciously, I knew that this was just the food inside the belly before my body would transform it. But I still attached so much of my value to the number on the scale. I also remember feeling horrible, like absolutely frustrated, shame and frustration when I stepped on the scale and I saw the number. And I don't think that any number would have ever given me satisfaction because my mind wasn't in the right place. I now look back and I am obviously heavier than I used to be at 20. I look at before pictures I took because I went on so many diets, so many programs, so many exercise plans, and I took quite a few before pictures. And now when I look at them, I feel so sad and sorry for my younger self for having been so hard on herself because now I look at those pictures and I think, oh my God, I looked amazing. I was a gorgeous young woman, but for me back then, all I could see was I need to lose weight, I am fat, and I need to eat less, I need to exercise more, and my diet and movement needs to be perfect. So that was my conditioning that was programmed into my mind so deeply that regardless of what I would have done, it would never have been enough. The other thing was that I was never, ever able to really stick to a diet or an exercise plan because it was always too strict. It was all or nothing, black or white. And I always admired those people that were able to go on a, I don't know, three months diet and just like not wave from it one tiny bit. I thought that I was incapable. I thought I was lazy. I thought that I just didn't have what it takes to stick to a plan and that created another level of shame for my body, who I am, and I. it took me years of work to realise that there would never be enough willpower because there had to be other steps in the healing process before I can adopt a healthy relationship and healthy habits. So that's one of the other things. I was never to stick to a plan and I hated myself for it. I was so shame ridden. I also felt a lot of shame for 
wanting to lose weight because on some level I knew that I was never overweight so I felt shame for wanting to lose weight especially when I was with friends that maybe had a little bit more weight than me and I felt shame for wanting to lose weight I felt shame for not being able to lose weight I felt shame for not liking to exercise I felt shame for loving sweets and chocolates and whatever it was and I felt shame for not being able to stick to a plan and program and there was just so much shame in everything I did I was also obsessed with losing weight it was all about weight 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 the number on the scale for years I am now 33 turning 34 and like I said my first memory of going on a diet was in high school so yeah probably 20 years of a unhealthy and I want to say even toxic relationship with my own body and food I after a few years of being in the self-help um industry doing a lot of work on myself and things like that I realized oh body positivity I'm just gonna love myself the way I am and I swung the pendulum in the other extreme so I was like fuck this shit sorry for swearing I don't care about what I eat how I look and I just kind of pretended that I liked my body this reminds me that was another point for or trigger for shame is that I pretended to love myself I think I was ashamed for not loving myself because even though I wanted to improve things I always thought that you know I have to pretend that I'm confident I have to pretend that I love my body so I also felt shame for not loving it so I pretended like I loved it which I never did and with the body positivity movement I thought oh this is great I can just love myself at any size the problem was just that I pretended and I know that there sometimes is a strategy to fake it till you make it and I still to this day don't know if I am a fan of this strategy or not in my case I just in the name of body positive and self-love just like allowed myself to have and adopt really unhealthy behaviors I ate crappy food from morning to evening never exercised anymore so before I would shame myself and force myself to go to the gym hated every second of it and then the opposite was like oh I'm not gonna do anything I love my body the way it is which in hindsight isn't the healthiest behavior either because we need balance, we need movement, we need balance in what we eat. And I kind of hid behind, oh, I'm just gonna love myself. And that strategy 
didn't work either. With time, I guess I found myself being more in the middle. So from the pendulum going to one extreme and then to the other extreme, I then started to kind of come back to center. This hasn't been happening overnight. This is years of work on my mindset, on reprogramming what I believe about my body, what I believe about food, how I see myself. And I started to find more balance. I want to say I reprogrammed what I believe about movement. I used to move only and purely because I hated my body and because I thought it was going to help me lose weight. I would never exercise for any other reason. I pretended that I liked movement when in, in fact I hated it. But I then reprogrammed and changed the way I feel about movement. I reframed some thoughts that if I was out of breath, that I was a failure, I was stupid, I was wrong, I was shame, ashamed. And I started to notice that it is normal to get out of breath if you're not used to a certain type of exercise or that maybe if you start doing yoga you can't do all the poses like an advanced yogi or like maybe your yoga teacher so this was one key element of my journey the other thing was that i was told when i was younger when i was a teenager that i was lazy i always saw myself as a lazy person and with beliefs being a self-fulfilling prophecy i just thought that i'm too lazy to exercise to move to go for walks and releasing that belief owning up to my shadow that a part of me liked being lazy a part of me enjoyed rest and enjoyed just staying on the couch I was then finally able to enjoy movement I really believe that movement what we enjoy what kind of movement is and we enjoy really depends from person to person at the moment I like to walk I'm on a 10k steps challenge while I'm here in Australia, I really love going on walks, listening to podcasts, and I do it not only because I think it's good for my physical appearance. In fact, I actually don't care about my physical um, appearance that much anymore. I do it because I know it's good for my health in general. So that was a key learning a key element of my recovery. The second really important element was 
to go away, move away from this idea that some foods are good and some foods are bad. And I'm saying good and bad, as in for me, it was this food is going to create weight gain. This food is not. I associated health with being thin, even more specific with having um, belly fat or not. So this is something else I had to reprogram is to accept that I can eat whatever food I want in a way that makes me feel good. I hear a lot in the industry of, I want to say, holistic weight loss. Oh, how am I going to eat intuitively? How am I going to eat everything I want and be able to stop? If I can eat everything I want, I'll just eat only crappy food, which is a huge myth. Because once you allow yourself to have any kind of food you want, then you will also find your body craving more healthy foods. And when I talk about the foods we eat, I realized that there was another part of of my journey, of my history of emotional eating. I would be incapable to open a bag of chips and stop eating until it was gone. I would not realize that I was just eating, eating, eating without even being hungry and notice at the end when the bag was finished that I just ate a whole bag of chips. I then usually felt so ashamed, so guilty that I would tell myself that tomorrow I'm going to go on a diet. Tomorrow everything's going to change. Tomorrow I'm going to exercise. Tomorrow I'm going to not eat sweets anymore. I'm going to not eat, um, how do you call it, fast food, greasy food. And I went on that cycle day after day, Monday after Monday, always telling me, okay, this is it, never again, just completely restrict myself. I, when I was craving foods to cover up my emotions, loneliness, sadness, any kind of feeling of inadequacy, I would just reach for food without even realizing it. I used to even drive to the shops if I didn't have any kind of sweet food at home because that was one of my strategies. I would just not have the tempting foods at home because people said a craving disappears within five minutes if you focus on something else, which I'm sorry if I say it like that is BS in my opinion because if you're feeling something uncomfortable that you don't want to feel and you haven't done the work to learn to process emotions, you will not think about anything else until you soothe that feeling. And for me, that meant sometimes driving to the gas station to get chocolate or chips or any kind of processed food that 
would choose the way I felt. So I had to work through processing my emotion. It wasn't necessarily a straight process. So I didn't just wake up one day and stop doing it. At first, it's something I had to practice because it's a habit that I had and most people have for a long time. So overcoming this need to eat emotionally, to eat when you're not hungry, is something that happens step by step. I started to notice that having food would only make me feel better for a few moments until the guilt and the shame was coming to surface. But also it never took away the emotions because that's not how it works. Emotions don't just disappear. They stay until we actually decide to feel them. So little by little, allowing myself to feel the uncomfortable feelings, allowing myself to process them in whatever way I needed in that moment. And that looks different for everyone. I noticed that I could start a bag of chips, which for me was always my go-to food, either salty, really salty and crispy food like chips or chocolate. And sometimes I'd switch from okay, I need salty food, I need chips, to, oh, I need sugar, I need sugar, I need sugar. But with time, I noticed that I could start a bag of cookies or crisps, have one and be like, actually, I'm having enough. This is good, but not that good. I had a handful at the beginning. Sometimes I just left one or two in the pack, but it was a process. Now I can even just have one and be like, oh, this is actually not that good. And this is another point I used to, when I needed sugar, which I told myself was sugar cravings, you know, because we hear so much about it. And of course, I believe there's a physical aspect of the body craving sugar, but the emotional and mental part was for me a lot bigger because I would, like a cookie monster, and that's what I called it, the cookie monster would come out, like go in the cupboards, and eat the crappiest sugar or chocolate that I could find in my cupboards, even though it was something I actually didn't like. But I didn't care in that moment. I didn't enjoy the food. It wasn't about the food itself. So I just ate foods that I didn't actually enjoy that much, that I didn't even like that much. But I needed it in that moment. And once I did the emotional work of really allowing my feelings to be felt, knowing that I'm safe and that they pass, Yes, they're still uncomfortable, let's be honest. A lot of the emotions I feel today still are uncomfortable. Some are really nice to feel, obviously, like joy and happiness and fulfillment. But there are still uncomfortable emotions that I feel today, but they move through me quite easily. And I don't need food to numb them. So I think this was also a key learning I had to make through different teachers, through different books, practices. And if you'd like, I have a list of resources that I'm going to put together of people I followed, books I read that help me 
build the healthy relationship I have with my body today. If you're interested, just reach out and I'm happy to share that with you. One of the most important steps of my recovery, if that's what we want to call it, was shadow work. Really accepting all those so-called bad things about me or these bad parts if we want to call them and really accept that even if I am fat, even if I am lazy, even if I'm ashamed, I am still a worthy person and I'm saying these words knowing that in reality I'm none of these things but I had the belief that I was lazy, that I was fat, that I was shameful, that I was not loved. And I think to accept these as traits that we might have, or maybe not, that it is not the end of the world, that you can reframe anything and the meaning you attach to things is your truth. So, I had to really work through my shadow sides, accept them as a part of who I am and really integrate them into me being a whole person, a complete person and being a worthy person. We all are, but conditioning sadly makes us believe that we're unworthy and this is a key part of the work I do with my clients is to really accept and find worthiness from within. So that was a key part of my healing. And today I am able to step on a scale. It's not something I do regularly because I don't believe that the scale is an accurate representation of who I am, of my progress, of my health. But if I happen to step on one, which I did not too long ago, I want to say by accident because I was trying to see how much or how heavy my baggage was and I had to step on the scale because I had to hold the baggage to then, you know, find out how heavy it was. And I felt nothing, absolutely nothing. It was just a number. And I felt, oh, well, cool, amazing. And moved on with my life. And I think this is a key element because I see a lot of my clients and people that have that obsession with the number on the scale. And this is just a feeling that we attach to the number we see. But you can, with different techniques, just completely detach the emotion from the trigger, which is stepping on a scale. And I am really excited and I even want to say proud of that because it used to dictate my life. Like I said, I've stepped on it multiple times a day and being able to step on it without 
attaching any meaning to it is for me one of the biggest wins that I had and I think when I was in that kind of denial of oh I'm just gonna love my body because body positivity I <laughs> refused to stop to step on any scale which avoiding something that triggers you is not a long-term solution it might work for a while but you haven't healed from it so bring the time where you have to go to the doctor and the doctor doesn't know that you have a tricky relationship with stepping on a scale and you see the number and you go down the rabbit hole that was me so avoiding something it's the same with not having triggering foods at home is not the solution because there's always going to be times where you get tempted where you either are having dinner with friends or like me if you have a car and you can go to the shops there's always going to be that trigger around so just avoiding it is never the solution so i think really doing the work and detaching the emotions from the situation for me it was the same i used to hate looking at myself in the mirror i hated the reflection I would still do it because I'd try to flex, look at different angles and really obsess over it. But it it always made me feel horrible. Same with going to the store, try on new clothes would really throw me down a cycle of self-loathing. And again, it's also something I tried to overcome by just avoiding going to the shops which we all know now that it wasn't the solution but yeah also there just detaching the emotion from the situation this is something i can now do sometimes i feel better when i look at myself sometimes i might still feel a bit like oh i need to do some more practice for myself but the response now is not a oh i need to go on a diet or oh i need to go on a restriction cycle it's oh i need to do my self-care and i need to honor my body for what it allows me to do so sometimes things are still a little bit triggering very often I would have no triggers but I always reframe it as I've been abusing my body I've been in a toxic relationship with my body for 20 years even more so I am gentle on myself if sometimes past behaviors still come up But the response I have to being triggered is completely different because I don't do things out of fear anymore or hate. I do them out of love. So while some of the habits have improved massively because there's no subconscious limiting programming, but there's just 
beliefs that support the way I want to live my life and be. So let's say we talk about having sugar, having sweets, chocolate or crisps, whatever it is. I still have it sometimes, even sometimes every day. I don't attach any negative thoughts or beliefs to it anymore. So if I want to have chocolate, I'll have it like I did in the past, except that in the past, I would then hate myself for it, eat way too much of it, not really enjoy having the chocolate or the crisps, then fast or go exercising for the next day and over and over and over again. Now I have it. I have a lot less because I tune into how satisfied I am by the food I am eating. I believe in doing things out of pleasure. And let's be honest, having chocolate is a form of pleasure. At least it is for me. If you hate chocolate, then maybe you're like, Ugh, I don't like it. But you get what I'm what I'm saying. I have it in quantities that feel good. And even if I happen to overeat one time because I've been invited to dinner, I've gone out for dinner and it was so good. I was distracted talking with friends and I realized like, oh, I'm so full. Whatever. I don't shame myself for it anymore. I have unwavering faith in my body that it will be able to take care of it if I do my part of the job. And I think this was one of the final key elements is to realize that in an accountable way, not in a shameful way, I've been doing this to my body. It wasn't my body doing this to me. I, in this toxic relationship with my body, I was the toxic part. My mind was the toxic part. The beliefs were the toxic part. It wasn't my body not being fit enough or not shedding the weight fast enough. It was my mind, my beliefs, my conditioning being in the way of my body doing the job that it knows how to do. And I've had to program that in because it is not a common belief. It is not something you can make money with because let's be honest, diets and diet culture generates money. But I had to consciously really reprogram my mind to believe that my body wants to be healthy. My body wants to release excess weight. My body wants to feel good my body wants to be fit lean or whatever but I was not believing in it I was not trusting it I was putting so much shame and hate towards it that it was incapable of doing the job that it knows how to do it's there's a thing in medicine that's called homeostasis where the body always comes back to balance and it's the same with the food the movement it's the same with weight and 
when it isn't capable of coming back to balance, that's usually when there is something out of alignment with our emotions, our mind, our nervous system. And it is my job to treat my body with respect, find ways to respect it. And I'm saying this because I know it's possible. And I also know that if you're not there and you're listening to this, that you're like, oh, John, but how do I do this? Do this. This is so natural for me to not believe in my body to I automatically think that chocolate is bad I automatically think that I'm lazy I know I understand I've been there but you can practice to reprogram your subconscious mind you can reprogram it by repetition you can reprogram it with different techniques whether it's hypnosis whether it's working with a coach whether it's using NLP, using EFT, there's a lot of work you can do yourself. And if you think that it is aligned with you and your needs, then you can also hire uh, a coach. And I always say, I believe that there's a coach for everyone. If you feel that my work, my values, the way I do my work and who I am is aligned with you and your needs, then I'm happy to be your guide. But I also believe that maybe we're not made for each other and that's okay too. If you need help, if you want help, there is someone out there, whether it's me or not. So you can, if you learn how to, or if you learn how your subconscious mind works, you can reprogram it. It doesn't have to be hard. It doesn't have to be long. You just need to know how to do so. And when I talk about it doesn't have to be long, there's something else I'd like to share, which is that I have stopped putting a timeline on how long it takes my body to become healthy. And when I talk about becoming healthy, I mean whether it's excess fat I want to lose, whether it's getting more muscle, having healthier habits, but even symptoms. I have been diagnosed with endometriosis in 2022. Yeah, officially 2022. I they were suspecting that I have endometriosis about three years ago, um, but I've been diagnosed in 2022 officially. And even there, it is not up to me to choose when my body is ready to heal, how long it takes my body to release excess fats, to build muscle. It is my body's choice. I feel that diet culture has made us believe that, you know, shred in 90 days, whatever. (laughs) Um, But that's not how it works. I, again, without blame, without shame, have been a toxic partner to my body for 
20 years, even more maybe. It is not up to me to choose how long it takes my body to get back to center. And there's something else I would like to mention here. If you do have a chronic illness that you've been dealing with, I know that some things are maybe not curable. Some things we just have to live with. And at the same time, I also want to say that working on your beliefs around your chronic illness is key because whether it is possible or not to cure endometriosis and medicine says it is not and it is a case for a lot of chronic illnesses and I don't want to trigger anyone but I believe that your beliefs will have an impact so if you believe a hundred percent that it is not curable then there probably will never be a cure for you but if you're open to the possibility that this can be cured then we move to another level then you allow your body maybe to find a way to heal itself through different things and practices. And I also think that when it comes to chronic symptoms, I've experienced quite a lot of pain from my periods due to endometriosis. And that what added a layer of frustration or stress was the fact that every time I had a symptom, I felt hopeless, I felt frustrated, I felt like there was no way out. And this is something that you can detach because on top of having horrible f symptoms, whatever it is that you have, whether it's um, something with your gut, um, whatever it is, if you on top of having the symptom, which is probably really uncomfortable and unbearable even sometimes, you feel all these emotions, you're adding a layer of pain. So you're adding the emotional pain. And there are ways that you can work through your emotions. Um, at the moment, I use a lot of EFT tapping. So the same then when you step on a scale and you feel frustrated, ashamed, and what other emotion, you can detach the emotion from having the symptom. And when I work with a client that has chronic symptoms, this is something we do quite early in the work. So it is horrible enough to have chronic symptoms and it is painful depending on what you have. So let's at least already remove the emotions you have attached to it and i've had quite a few clients that felt that then the physical discomfort was more bearable was easier to handle because you don't have that 
ton of emotions that come with it and even if they do every now and then feel like again I feel pain I feel discomfort I feel this this symptom they can then get themselves to a point of it is a symptom it is not fair it is difficult but I'm going to move through it it's gonna get better and getting their beliefs on board to whatever they want to achieve whether it's reducing the symptoms whether it's overcoming them completely maybe even heal that is really up to every single individual how you want to proceed there is never any rule everyone has their own desires what is key though is that your desires are aligned with your heart so if you want to be skinny because magazines and diet culture has told you that is more valuable and that you're a better person if you're skinny and strong then i would probably say that we need to go over your goals again but if it is what you desire from your heart then this is your right and this is what we are going to work towards there was something else that i thought i wanted to share but i can't remember this is my brain (laughs) sometimes things just disappear from my mind oh yeah Uh, One of the key pieces of my work, and if you've been in my world for a little bit, you'll have heard me say that over and over again. And the key piece is self-compassion. If you understand why you do the things you do, why you did the things you did, and you are able to find compassion for yourself, you are going to create better results. So instead of blaming and shaming yourself for not being perfect, not having perfect behaviours, perfect habits, the perfect body, perfect health, you can come back to centre much quicker. So let's say you're trying to improve your health, you're wanting to incorporate more healthy habits. If you have self-compassion, for one day not being able to do the things that you know you want to do for doing the things that you know are healthy for you and you have compassion if you one day don't feel like it maybe you're ill maybe you don't feel well maybe it's mentally or emotionally difficult and you give yourself sorry for the word a fucking break you're gonna be able to come back to center much faster if you then blame and shame yourself for oh i should have not have had this coke i should have not had dessert i should have gone for a walk and exercised then you will go down that cycle of shaming blaming self-hate you're gonna stay in that state a lot longer 
eventually you will start again and probably go to the extreme of fasting, dieting, whatever it looks like for you, your extreme. But if you have self-compassion, you can just be, oh, well, I had a difficult day. I love myself. I know I'm not procrastinating. I'm not pretending to love myself in the name of body positivity, but it's okay. Next meal, I'll have more vegetable. Next time, I'll go for a walk and come back to alignment much faster. I think we are slowly getting to the end of this podcast. I want to address just one or two questions I had from my followers on Instagram. So the first question was if I had any aha moments or what was the aha moment and I think I've had multiple. I don't think it was one piece or I I always say, you know, the sky opens and the angel comes down and there's a ah it that never happens. I expected that for years and I think it slowed my personal growth because if it didn't feel like a bang and I'm a new person then it wasn't worth it and it wasn't working and that's not how it works. You don't feel different necessarily when you have an aha moment so there was multiple aha moments. I think I shared a few in this episode along the way but yeah there was not one single moment it was a step after step process I don't think it needs to take that many years like it did for me but I think it was different things small improvement small steps but I think one of the key elements was understanding how my mind works and why I did the things I did, understanding my emotions and understanding how they play a role in my progress with my holistic body. I think this is one of the biggest ahas that I had along the journey, but I also think that it was many things that played a role, not only one. The second question, and I'm just going to cover that um, briefly, I might do another episode on that because I think it's a genius question. Um, The question was, what does the holistic body mean to me? And I think for me, it is building that relationship with my body from a place of love and loving my body not letting it ruin or take over my life because for years it would dictate how I would dress, how I would feel, how I act and behave with other people. It would take mental space when I was with friends, having dinner, having lunch, going to the beach, whatever. 
And I think the holistic body is really coming from a place of love, making choices for my body from a place of love rather than hate or fear. It is understanding why you do the things you do, why it is hard to change certain behaviors if you have self-sabotaging patterns, if making healthy choices doesn't feel safe, if being in the body you desire doesn't feel safe. And it is coming from a place of self-compassion, of non-judgment, and just allowing myself to be the version I want to be with the flaws, with the imperfections and just loving what I have, seeing the things I love about myself first and I think that's key. I don't think that self-love means that you have to love every single aspect of yourself. I still have certain things features that I you know maybe would prefer them to be different which is okay I think enjoying the journey and enjoying the process means that I get to live my life as I do so but I I lost my train of thought (laughs) I oh I got it back I see the things I love about myself before I see the things I don't like about myself. So saying that when I look at the mirror, instead of, oh, I have cellulite, oh, I have stretch mark or whatever it is, I go, oh, I love my hair today. Oh, I've got beautiful legs. Oh, I like my tan. Oh, I'm happy that I can walk. Oh, I'm happy that I can go to the gym that I can hug my loved ones so I think this is self-love to see and appreciate the things that you like about yourself before you go on and see the things or notice the things that you don't like and that applies to physical features but your mind your soul and everything in a nutshell I think this is what I believe is the holistic body The holistic body looks very different for everyone. It encompasses physical aspects. It encompasses health. It encompasses habits, food choices, food freedom. And that can look very different from person to person. It is key in my work to really work with the individual needs of a person and really come from a place of what works for me might not necessarily work for you. So we really need to find a way to work with your situation, your mind, your body, your heart, your history, your beliefs, your conditioning, instead of expecting something that worked for me to be applicable for everyone else. So there could be a lot more I can say about what the holistic body means, but for the sake of time, I might dig deeper into that at a later point, maybe in another podcast episode or over on my Instagram. So I hope you enjoyed this messy podcast episode about my story. I really wanted it to flow. I haven't scripted anything, so 
if it jumps a bit from one point to the next this is just how my brain works but i hope you got the most out of it i hope you enjoyed it if you are intrigued about how i could potentially help you reach that level of awareness that relationship that loving relationship with your body you can always reach out at the moment i'm offering three spots for whatsapp coaching for a month where you get to do the work with me you get to have me in your pocket for a whole month we work through the steps of the holistic body without you having to necessarily hop on a call without having to commit fully because i am totally aware that committing to working with someone for three months coming up with that investment might be scary and that's why i created the whatsapp coaching because i truly believe that i always see the highest potential in you you can do a great deal of progress by reframing your thoughts by having me in your corner i am always my client's biggest cheerleaders fans i'm always a coach as well and i always see the best and always see the highest potential and if that's something that you feel called that you feel that your heart aligns to it please reach out on instagram or you can just email me at info at nikki.co okay have a lovely day evening morning wherever you are whatever you're doing i see you i'm honored to have you in my world thank you beautiful soul for being here with me this week don't forget to subscribe to the show and to follow me on instagram at uniquely.nikki see you next time